Hey listeners, welcome to Solid Saturdays, where you'll receive solid inspiration and prayer that will set you up for a solid weekend. And get this, y'all, an even better week. Listen, I get it, it's Saturday, it's the weekend. But I want to assure you that whether you're in bed or exercising or even running errands, if you tuned into this podcast, then there is a word for you. So let's go ahead and dive in. All right. So first things first, I'd like to wish everybody out there a very Merry Christmas. I hope that you are spending time with your families and that you're just sharing in the time of giving and love and laughter. I pray God's joy to be in the midst. I know that a lot of people have experienced loss where it may be a little hard for you to celebrate the holidays and experience that cheer. But I pray for the joy of the Lord to saturate your home wherever you're at, even now, and that the weight of heaviness and depression will leave you now in the name of Jesus. This is a day where we celebrate God giving us the biggest gift that we can ever have. And that's him sending his only son to come to this earth for a greater purpose to die for us so that we can obtain eternal life. That's good news, y'all. So. We are back here for part two of Marriage and More featuring the Whites. So I want to go ahead and welcome back our guests, Annette and Stephen White, as we move forward in discussing one of the toughest challenges that they had to endure as a couple. Now, let me just make you aware that this is a very tough topic, and this is actually their first time sharing their story from their point of view publicly. So at some parts, we can expect this to be a little rough on them because it's still tender. But by the grace of God, they made it through. So let's go ahead and get started. Most people say that the first five years of marriage are the toughest. So I want to go back in time a little bit. We're going to go all the way back to 1986. Now, 1986, they were approaching, celebrating three years of marriage. They had a toddler son and they also had an infant. So I want to ask you, because there may be some young married couples, and what I mean by young is that they're newlyweds that are under the five-year mark. I want to ask you, because they say if you make it over five years, then you're good to go. But the first five years is the toughest. And I get what they're saying. But I don't think that everybody has the same testimony. I talk to different marriages, and some people are like, oh, we've been on a honeymoon for all seven years we've been married. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's that's what works for you. But let me ask you, um, before August 1986, would you say that you all were enjoying your marriage? What was your marriage like those first two and a half years? Well, I don't want to sound goofy, but um, I've enjoyed 38 years. Two years to me is no different than the rest of the years other than the situations that we had to go through. Right. So if you want to know what's the first years of being tough, the first 38 years of our marriage have been the toughest years because almost every year something has come up that has put us on guard and made us approach the Lord for help because we couldn't have done this by ourselves, no kind of way, because even though you're together and you're united and you love each other, there's still some times when, like I said, the road gets rough and the going gets tough, and that doesn't stop. I mean, yes, we had some tough years in the beginning, but I wouldn't say they were any tougher than any other years. I, mm-hmm. I, I just wouldn't. It's just a matter of how you look at things, I think. Yeah, the first two years were great. I mean, we had already had our first child, so a lot of our activities may have centered around him, you know, and enjoying him, watching him grow up. Mm -hmm. We did 
We went places together and just pretty much enjoyed time together as a family. It was really a good time. Not saying that we didn't, like Stephen said, we didn't have some obstacles or challenges that we had to deal with. But overall, it was a good two years. That's awesome. And I think that that would be super encouraging for people to hear that. I think what you both have said is that your years, whether it's the first five years or all 38 years, is what you make of those years. Exactly. Because to hear you guys say that you wouldn't count any of your trials or challenges throughout your marriage as bigger than another one, that's big considering what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. And that shows where your mind was at as far as how to handle the challenges that came to you. It just speaks loud. And listeners, you about to find out why it speaks so loud. Because in August of 1986, something drastic happened in their life. I'm sure they didn't see it coming. Of course, they didn't see it coming. And I believe that it's something that would have added weight on any marriage. And it's something that they haven't had a chance to really share their side of it publicly. They were interviewed with news reporters, but at the moment, it wasn't like, you know, you can get all the details because it was so fresh. But we're about to dive in and I'm about to allow them to share their side of the story because I really believe that this will definitely encourage, empower, strengthen any relationship in any person. It's not for any one person. I know it says marriage and more as our topic, but if you are really leaning into this episode, you can take what's given in this episode and apply it to your life. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. Let's listen to this clip. You've probably received an Amber Alert on your phone, maybe of a missing child at some point, according to the Center of Missing and Exploited Children. Almost 800,000 kids are reported missing every single year. The Now's Tanya Rogers spoke with a local family whose baby disappeared within minutes. Ned and Stephen White recalling a traumatic time for their family. Five-month-old Tiffany vanished from their West Palm Beach apartment. Investigators found out a neighbor kidnapped Tiffany. It was really rough. It was, uh, I think it was the first time I cried as a man. The family wasn't sure they would ever see her again. The baby's 1986 disappearance made headlines in the local news. Tiffany's mother turning to News Channel 5 pleading for help. She always wanted pictures of her every time she came to visit. Remarkably, the baby was found just one day later unharmed and reunited with her parents. So I know y'all minds are blown. I was kidnapped when I was an infant. And my parents had to weather this storm together. So at this moment, I want to give them an opportunity to tell their story. What happened 35 years ago in August? Okay, so we were just returning from vacation. We were up in North Carolina on vacation for a couple of weeks and arrived home. And uh, one of our neighbors is a 19-year-old. We had known for a while, even during the time when I was pregnant with Tiffany, she would come over and visit with us. And, you know, she was very mannerable, uh, seemed to be very intelligent. I'm sorry. I want to pause you right there because this is a new piece of the story that I didn't know. She visited y'all when you were pregnant with me. Uh And was her reasoning for visiting just to be friendly? What was the reasoning? We just felt like it was just that she was befriending us. But as we look back and reflect, it could have been that being she knew that I was going to be having a baby soon. And maybe at that point was when she actually started to pull together her plan. But I can't say that for sure. Yeah. All I know is that I counted it as a harmless type 
relationship, you know, the visits and all. It didn't seem to be an issue or anything that we would be suspicious about at that time. But like I said, when we were returning from vacation, Tiffany, she was four months old. And shortly after we got home, she knocks and comes to the door. She comes over like she normally would. But she was waiting on y'all, being that as soon as y'all got home, she was at the door. Right. We found out even before that, while we were on vacation, she came over to our house, but we weren't home. So my mom and stepdad lived in the same complex and she She went over to their apartment to find out where we were. So anyway, she came in, she sat down, started a casual conversation with us. Then she went on to ask if she could take Tiffany just to make a quick phone call because our phones were not working in the apartment. Me and Steve pretty much him and us, no, we just got home. She's tired. I got to feed her. And she continued to ask us. Finally, I guess me and Steven were thinking the same way, thinking that we're being too overly protective, which in hindsight we weren't but didn't know at that time so when we finally gave in and allowed her to take you to make this phone call she was gone within seconds when she left how long did you wait before you checked what did you do well, I didn't suspect the kidnapping but I didn't feel right about it either so I waited exactly 20 minutes and I told her and then I said, I'm getting in the car. I said, I got to ride around. But she said she's just going to get a phone booth, which would have taken her three or four minutes to walk to. And so I rode around the entire neighborhood, all the phone booths in the area, and she was nowhere to be found. And that's when I went back home. I said, Annette, I can't find her. So when he said that to you, what was your response? I always give everybody the benefit of the doubt. So I continued that mindset. But even in the midst of having that mindset, Steve went forward and said, you know, we're going to go down to the police department and report this. Even at that time, you know, I was thinking to myself, okay, so when we come back, she'll probably be back with you. And when we got back from filing the report and you weren't there, that's when it hit me and I lost it. Mm. And anything would trigger the crying, especially with living close to the airport. Now everything's going through my head as far as black market babies. And so every time an airplane would pass over us, I would lose it again. Just hysterical crying. And in the midst of the crying, I was praying too. I prayed till I didn't have anything else left in me to pray. I was just numb. You know what, listening to you explaining the agony that you were going through and still the hope that you had, because when you pray, you pray out of desperation, but you also pray because that's your only hope. Right. So the fact that you were praying showed that you had hope still because you had God. Okay, listeners, y'all listen up for this because that was a nugget. When we go through stuff, it's so important to have God because sometimes that's all that you have. And that's the only thing that will keep you sane. because my mom said she lost it. But some people would have really, really lost their minds. But because her heart was anchored to God, I really think that that was the stability that she needed on top of what she already had in my dad. So it's so important whether you're married or not. You will have life challenges, but it's so important that you stay connected to God. When you were describing how you were feeling, I was reminded of Hannah in the Bible, the torment that she went through. And she didn't have a child. The Bible says that the Lord closed her womb. (laughs) But it reminds me that the Lord allowed that. And even with this, but the Lord had this already worked out. 
as we can see. So he knew exactly what was going on. And the same thing with Hannah, when she reached that point of desperation, she went to the temple and she prayed. And the Bible says that when she was praying, the priest, the pastor of the church, she praying and he thinking she's drunk. drunk. Right. She, he thinking she's drunk because of how much pain she was going through. Now, listeners, listen to me closely. Sometimes we put these expectations on our pastors when we don't realize their purpose in a particular season in our life. Sometimes, like Eli, because he was the priest, sometimes they are just there to be there. They may think one thing. They may think that you're drunk because you cannot formulate the words based on the intensity of your pain. But realize how Hannah responded to him. Hannah didn't respond with bitterness. She didn't respond with anger. She wasn't in her feelings. Why? Because she was just in the presence of God. And when you're truly in God's presence, then you cannot come out of it acting any type of way. She honored the man of God, even though she was misunderstood because pain can be misunderstood. But even in the misunderstanding, realize the purpose of a pastor, even in that season. And sometimes in that season, they are just called to be there. It just reminded me of that when you were saying that you prayed until you had nothing left. And that's the place that God would probably want you to be. And to see, she birthed the prophet Samuel from the whole situation. So let me just say this, and I'm gonna let them finish their story, y'all. It's so important for you all to cover your children in prayer. And don't just say pretty prayers because your prayers are attached to their purpose. Mm -hmm. So if you give out on prayers, then God is still going to cover them. But you got to keep on praying because your prayers are attached to your purpose. And it goes back to saying that we ought to be good stewards over everything that God has given us, even our children, because doctors can say things about our children. School teachers can say things about our children. Police can say things about our children. But when they start saying those things or when your children, they start experiencing different things, that is your point to pray for them and call purpose out of them. Their purpose is connected to your prayers. When I had gotten to that point of desperation where I just didn't have have anything else left in me. The next day, there was a calm that came over me. And in the process that all this was going on, we had uh, news reporters constantly around our apartment. Whenever we did go anywhere, you know, the cars driving away and they're all in the windows, just like they show in the movies, how they're hoarding over the, the vehicles as you're trying to leave away. So this calm came over me. And then shortly after that, One of the news reporters knocked on our door and they said that they apprehended the girl along with Tiffany and she's fine and they need you to go to the police station and pick her up. This is Holy Spirit because I was going to go there and talk about the calm even Hannah felt after she finished praying. Mm -hmm. And that's when the child was conceived. Y'all, listen, this is real stuff. Like if anybody doubts the Bible because it was written back in the day, we have real life people like my parents that had similar experiences that yet proves that we serve a real God. And that when we hold his principles, the what he tells us to do, that he honors it. The Bible says that he hovers over his word, waiting to perform it, waiting So he's waiting for you to get in position so he can perform his word. All right. Go ahead, Daddy. Well, my faith in God was very strong also. Like I told you, I have a short fuse. You're a protector. Yeah. So I got angry. So the first thing I remember doing is grabbing up my son. He was a little more than a year and a half old. And just hugging him and walking through the parking lot crying. Mm. And uh, it was really the first time as an adult where I just boo-hooed. 
So you were holding Chris while you were crying. I know there was a connection with that because at that moment you didn't know where I was. And so you wanted to hold on to what you had and protect him in that moment. When I finally got myself together and got back into the apartment, I thought about uh, and then stepdad and um, I called him. And so while he was on his way there, I was loading my shotgun. So when he got there, I put my shotgun in the backseat and we got in the car together and we just started riding around. And I never will forget what he told me. He said, hey, White, I think we need to go to Miami Airport. I said, Joe, that, that doesn't make any sense. So we went to West Palm Beach Airport. We couldn't find her. But later on, we found out that she flew out of the Miami Airport. Wow. We were passing out flyers everywhere. And I remember going up to the church we attended to at that time. And the pastor was not able to pass the summer down there. He was an adult. And he, he looked in the back seat and he saw that shotgun. He said, hey, man, what you going to do? I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I got to find my baby. So he said, well, you just leave that shotgun back there. And I really didn't know what I was going to do. So when we found out that we, we could not find her, we all went back to the bar and we all prayed. And the pastor came to the house and we prayed with him. It was a terrible, 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 hard experience. It was... It was something that nobody would ever want to go through. Your child being abducted, that's, it's awful. And especially a baby. Mm-hmm. Hopefully someone can learn from what we had to go through. It wasn't an easy thing, but you know, God is still God and he still works miracles. And that's exactly what he did. Most definitely. I'm just grateful that I was returned because I don't even know what my life would have been like if I wasn't. I think that God also uses time to protect us because what if daddy would have found that girl with his shotgun in the backseat and he really didn't know what he was going to do? I probably would have gone through life without a father because he would have spent time in jail, but God didn't see fit. So it was hard with that time that you didn't know where I was. But at the same time, God could have been protecting you guys to keep you together and to keep us all together as a family because he knew what the outcome was going to be because of where you guys' heart was, where you continue to seek him even in that and you stayed together. So I wanted to just go back on one thing. Daddy, you said that you left the apartment for a moment with Chris and walked. So there was a moment where you had to have time to yourself. It was necessary for you. It wasn't that you were angry with Mimi or anything like that. Why was it necessary? I just knew that I looked at my baby boy down there and I thought about you. I guess it was a I was grieving. I just needed time to get my myself together because at that point, I, I had lost it. Like I said, I've always considered myself to be a protector, and I didn't want to end up to see the protector breaking down. So when he took the walk, what did you do in that time? I do remember, and I have never forgotten that Annette was there the whole time with me, trying to get me to eat. But she was right there by my side, along with my mom and my stepdad. They were there with me. That is so important too. And this was something that I was going to talk about a little later, your support system during that time. Because what I see a lot of sometimes is when married couples go through something so tragic or drastic, they shut everybody out and try to handle it on their own. You had your community of people that were in your home that would tell you to do things that you couldn't think to do on your own because of the amount of grief that you were experiencing. What was the point that you knew that you forgave her? You know, usually when we get to that point where we're desperate and we pray and we bargain with God. So I told the Lord that, you know, if you return us safe and sound, we won't press charges. We just won't press any charges whatsoever. But being humans that we are, when they did arrest her, the sergeant came to us and said, do you want to press charges? At that point, I was mad too. I'm like, yes. But then he came back a second time 
and explained to us all, all that had gone on since she'd been in jail, how the psychiatrist had interviewed her one moment and either she had gone through a miscarriage the next time either she had an abortion and how she wouldn't see her parents because she told her parents that she was too embarrassed and ashamed of what she'd done. I really appreciate you guys being transparent and honest enough to share your story. So the people know, listen, everybody, they go through stuff. How you go through it determines your outcome because at the end of the day, God's outcome for whatever we go through is going to be victory. When the sergeant came back the second time and he told us, you know, what all was going on, he was pretty much trying to get our consent to drop the charges so that she could get the psychiatric help that she needed. At that point, I thought about the prayer that I prayed to God that I would not press charges. So at that point, I said, you know, yeah, we'll go ahead and drop the charges so she can get the help that she needs. And unless you have been through something like this and you get to a point where you bargain with God, you won't understand, what, you dropped the charges? You must be quick. No, you don't understand. You have to understand the situation. You have to understand the conversation that I had with the Lord and the promise that I made and at one point was going to renege on it. But then he gave me a second chance by allowing the sergeant to come back. God is so good because I even think that that also expedited your healing process forgiveness because who knows if you would have allowed that anger to fester because a lot of the illnesses it comes from things that we hold in our hearts God protected me but God protected y'all God protected daddy from jail God protected you from illnesses can I say one last thing yeah go ahead in regards to marriage and going through a situation like this I've seen in the movies where the husband and wife they'll blame each other but we didn't blame each other there was no time for that the only time we had was praying to God trusting God and hoping and praying that you know we get you back we didn't have time to bicker about something which you would consider trivial and it would not help the situation I've enjoyed hearing your story and I'm sure that everybody that's listening, they got something out of this. I know this without a doubt. So daddy, before we pray, there are a lot of men that are listening to this podcast right now that may be experiencing a situation in their marriage where things are out of control. And looking back on your experience, what would you tell them? What wisdom would you give them today? Number one is think before you speak. Because a lot of times things may even be in your heart, way in the background, but everything you're feeling at that time doesn't have to come out. A lot of married couples hurt each other by saying something before they think about it. And bottom line is that I knew that there was no way that Annette would have let anything happen to you on purpose. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Do what you need to do as a man. Because men should take care of their family, but don't be so quick to be throwing blame because many times there's, there's really nobody to blame. Things just happen think before you speak being that men are fixers maybe they need to exercise that self-control just because things are out of control doesn't mean that you can't control the one thing that you can control which is yourself so when things are out of control y'all exercise self-control there are women and wives listening to this podcast as well that may be experiencing some type of heartache in their marriage or whatever the reason is they they're feeling pain so knowing this pain and feeling helpless at one point in your life and in your marriage, what advice would you give them? How can they grow closer to their husband when they are so broken? The main thing is to develop a relationship with God. Stay in prayer with Him. Focus on scriptures that will give them strength. Just let them know what's going on so that they can try to help as well and pray together and work through the situation together.
I like that because really to me it sounds like you're being that help me is that another level of sacrifice because while a man is thinking that you know everything's out of control if a woman is able to come up to him and say hey let's pray that kind of refocuses the man to step back into his position like okay yeah let's pray so I love it thank you all so much for joining me on this podcast and sharing your story and how you guys got through it I know that people are going to be strengthened by it. There will be reconciliation and all those things that they need if their hearts were open. So it's my prayer, y'all, that y'all's hearts were open because there was so much that was given. And so take it in and let God do the work. But before we log off this episode, I want to thank everybody that has been listening. This is the 15th episode, y'all, 15. And God has just really been blowing my mind. But this is also the last episode of the season. We will be back February for season two. So y'all mark your calendars. Stay connected. I'm going to put my links of the social media platforms in the description so you guys can stay connected. And also share the episodes if it has blessed you in any way. Share it with your friends, families, and loved ones and get them connected so that they can be all caught up. So that when we come back in February 2022 with season two, y'all will be ready to go with me. Y'all been riding with me and I love it. I love it. So thank you all so much. I don't take it for granted and I just really, really appreciate you. But get ready for season two because we're going to have some guests on this podcast that is going to be it's going to be so good. Before we go, though, I would like my mother to pray over families because we are preparing for a time of holidays and I'm sure there are so many changes that has happened, whether people have lost loved ones, things happening in marriages, and even things within kids and schools. So if you will, just cover families and pray for families, even as we go into this holiday season. Our God and our Father, which are in heaven, Lord, we come before you right now just giving you thanks, God, just for being the God that you are and the God that we need, Lord. Thank you for being a provider, protector, Thanking you for like, being a healer, just being there for us in every aspect of our lives, oh God. I come before you right now on behalf of families. First and foremost, I want to give you thanks for my own family, asking that you will fill each family with your love and lead them closer to you. We're asking, Lord, that you will allow them to enjoy time together, growing closer as a family. Lord, reflecting your love into this world as they do so. Asking, Lord, that you will strengthen their relationships to deepen their faith and to build them up into a stronger family that is focused on following you, Lord. Please continue to shower them with blessings upon each and every family member, speaking your love deeply into their hearts and healing all that ails them. We're asking, Lord, that you continue to be the cornerstone of the family and to be that firm foundation, Lord lifting up to you those families who have loved ones that won't be spending this holiday season with them, asking that you will strengthen them, Lord, and hold them up. We're asking that you will also bless these marriages during this holiday season, oh God, and that you will strengthen them as well. We ask these prayers and blessings in Jesus' name and for his name's sake. Amen.
Amen. All right, y'all. Merry Christmas to everybody and Happy New Year. Thank you all so much for joining us. And it is my prayer that you've gotten some prayer and inspiration. And because we serve a loving and a faithful God, I have confidence that you did. So guess what, y'all? I know that you're going to have a solid Saturday and a prosperous New Year. See you in February. God bless you all.